0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Happy Tuesday, everybody. You're watching Scorebox with Jeff Cutmore, Karen Cho and myself, Steve Sedgwick. These are your headlines. HSBC gets a boost in Hong Kong trade after Europe's largest lender beats expectations despite posting... A 34% fall in full-year profit, whilst resuming dividend payouts. Big tech dragging on the NASDAQ and the S&P, with Amazon, Apple and Microsoft leading the declines, whilst the Dow benefits from optimism around a broader economic recovery.
2: Shares and Tesla post their biggest fall since September, and Elon Musk loses his title as the world's richest person, as the stock sinks over 8%, wiping $15 billion from his net worth. Britain's Prime Minister outlines a gradual plan to lift the UK from lockdown by June 21st, saying there's, quote, light ahead thanks to the vaccine rollout.
0: This isn't the end today, but it's very clearly a roadmap that takes us to the end and takes us uh, on, a, on a one-way journey. And Australia refriends Facebook. The social media giant restores government pages after reaching an agreement with Canberra, ending a week-long standoff over media laws.
1: Very interesting, this story on HSBC. So I'll just run you through it. And by the way, thank you, team. Fantastic wall. Uh, HSBC shares are higher in Hong Kong after the lender reported a better than expected full year set of results. Europe's largest bank posted a 34% drop in annual pre profit. Again, pretty much expected, but lowered the key profitability target. I want to come back to that. But it announced it will pay a dividend for the first time since October 2019. Emily, I had to dig down. By the way, Emily joins us now. Emily, I had to dig down to the bit I wanted because, funnily enough, HSBC didn't put it near the top. And I knew you would have looked down because you're a better journalist than me. But th- this road target going from 10 to 12 down to 10 percent as well. So what I really wanted to know was, well, where, how far away are from this road? And I've got to say, there seems to be a bit of Netherland here, a bit of Oz, a bit of uh, fantasy, because their road was uh, sived aggressively this year down to around about 3 percent. Good morning to you.
3: Good morning, Steve. We are looking at the shares of HSBC in Hong Kong trade, uh, well off uh, the uh, altitudes that we saw at the reopen about uh, about one hour ago. Uh, Hong Kong listed shares of HSBC were rallying six percent. Uh, we've paired that somewhat, and HSBC currently sitting off about one and a half percent at forty-seven dollars twenty. Uh, the shares were rallying on the back of the full year report card and the resumption of the dividend announcement. Uh, the bank says things are off to a good start so far in twenty twenty one. Uh, but it is cautiously optimistic for the year ahead. The bank has declared a dividend of 15 U.S. cents and the first payout for the bank since October 2019. There'll be no quarterly dividends for 2021, but the bank will consider to announce an interim payout at the first half. The bank says the dividend could be supplemented by buybacks or a special dividend over time, but not in the near term. There will no longer offer a script dividend as an option, and it's going to be paid entirely in cash. For its dividend, Policy, the bank intends to transition towards a target payout ratio of between 40 to 55 percent of reported EPS from 2022 onwards. HSBC, in terms of its report card, reporting pre tax profit down 34 percent to $8.8 billion, and that was better than expected and compared to the $13.3 billion earned in the year ago period. Revenue declined at 10 percent to $50.4 billion, and with a common equity tier one capital ratio of 15.9 percent. The bank has also abandoned its long-term profitability target of achieving a return on tangible equity of 10 to 12%. Instead, the target now is 10% in the medium term. It also announced a revised strategy, which is focusing on wealth management in both Asia as well as the Middle East. For Asia, the plan is to significantly increase the group's capital and resource allocation and to grow fee income via cross-sell of insurance, wealth management, asset management, foreign exchange, and structured capital products. In Europe, HSBC is targeting a simplified operating model, so it's going to have two hubs, one in London and the other in Paris, with the reduced complexity in cost and RWA consumption. Negotiations are still ongoing in terms of its French retail banking operations. HSBC says that geopolitical uncertainties prevailed in 2020, and that's going to be expected to remain a prominent feature in the coming year, adding that it remains unclear the extent at which uh, the U- new U.S. administration will affect current geopolitical tensions. As for Hong Kong, where it is its biggest profit center, The business sentiment in some sectors remains dampened. So we are looking at reaction in shares of HSBC on the back of this hefty report card that we got out, including the strategy update, uh, the dividend policy, and, uh, uh, of course, the full-year numbers. HSBC shares are traded up 1.3%. I also want to bring to your attention what's happening to shares of Ping On Insurance. That is uh, the bank's largest shareholder with an 8% stake, Rallying on the back of the dividend announcement as well, up 2.5%, last traded at $96.60. Steve, it's back to you.
0: Emily, let me just pick up uh, and ask you a couple of questions on this. I mean, what's interesting, I think, is the reaction in the market that we're getting at this point. Obviously, the headline numbers do look a little bit better than the expectations, but that largely fits in with the banking earnings reports we've seen. So I don't know how surprised actually the market is on those numbers. Um, I'm wondering whether it's actually the less well-defined uh, aspects of the strategy that the market is still contemplating here. Um, this is not quite the wholesale pivot east I think we flagged up yesterday. And on the US retail business, it isn't the uh, clearly defined sale that was also very much signaled by the Financial Times here. Do we have any Further sense then of how close we are to either of these strategies going a step further, some form of more significant withdrawal from European business perhaps.
3: Well, the bank is due with its investor conference in about uh, 3.30 Hong Kong time. I believe that is a 7.30 GMT. So uh, just in about an hour and a half from now, we should be able to get more headlines coming through from the bank in terms of its strategy detail. Uh, We've been, of course, expecting uh, cost cuts as well as job cuts. Uh, The bank uh, employs around 220,000 people uh, at at last count. And uh, there were reports of a cutting of something like 35,000 to bring the headcount down to closer to 200,000 by the year 2023. Uh, So we are going to be, of course, waiting to hear more out from the bank of what they're going to be doing in terms of uh, streamlining or cutting down their exposure in the U.S. Uh, The details need to come out from there, as well as what they're doing in terms of this pivot to Asia. Uh, There was some expectation uh, of uh, them further expanding in uh, the Greater Bay Area but uh, the details there uh, I have not gotten to that yet as well and we haven't really heard too much about that Uh, but of course uh, there is an expectation of this pivot to Asia because Hong Kong in particular which uh, makes a big deal out of the Greater Bay Area or or comprises or is a big part of the GBA uh, it is the biggest profit center for HSBC uh, making up something like 1.2 billion dollars in terms of its profits uh, at, at last check. Uh, So, of course, there is a lot of uh, this new strategy that we still need to come to terms with, and uh, the fact that uh, the dividend payout, according to the analyst that we were speaking to earlier over at Macquarie, saying that was probably as much as the bank could give, 15 cents per share, uh, and uh, it'll be, of course, uh, the first payout in terms of a dividend uh, since October 2019. So uh, we do still need to get a little bit more detail from the bank, and they're going to be speaking in about an hour and a half from now, hopefully more details to come through then, Jeff.
1: Emily, I'll pick up. That's great. Thank you very much indeed for all your reporting there. Great set of numbers um, in terms of the detail as well. Look, uh, Guys, I have a real problem with these set of numbers and the fact that it it comes to the fact that I'm a, a curmudgeon and I always look for I suppose the wrinkles as well, I guess that's our job being journalists, Jeff and Karen. But look, I I, I went straight to this road figure because they are saying they're cutting their road the return on tangible equity from 10 to 12 to 10 percent as well. But then I just kind of thought, well, hang on, where are we in this as well? Uh, and quite frankly, the numbers I think are quite disturbing. Now, I know the rest of the world is excited about the dividend, the pivot ease, blah, 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 blah. But look at this. This is from their own website. And I found it fairly near the bottom of the release, to be fair. Uh, Our Rote for 2020, which is Return on Tangible Equity, and why why do I care about Rote? Because it's about your profitability, ladies and gentlemen, was 3.1%, a reduction of 530 basis points for 2019, reflecting primarily higher expected credit losses and other credit impairment charges, ECL, and a reduction in revenue. We no longer expect 10 to 12%, we're going for 10% now. Now, look, they are massively exposed to China. China is going great guns, or so it seems on the surface, whether it's on a GDP measure, whether it's on a spending measure, whether it's on a corporate measure. Everything you look at in China looks great compared with the rest of the world at the moment because they've come out of COVID before the rest of us and there are high hopes for the rest of us. But to lose 530 points of row in that environment, down to 3.1%, makes me ask two questions. One, where are these losses coming from if they have such exposure to such a burgeoningly large market or two? And two, is this 10% figure for 2022 pie in the sky, given the fact that we've just lost 530 basis points down to 3.1%? It seems a very long way to go. Uh, and thirdly, there are banks out there who are making very strong road, by the way. I know the comparisons against European banks are relatively easy, but against a lot of um, China-focused banks and against US-focused institutions as well, return on tangible equity is over 10% across the
2: Board. That figure you're talking about has been a, a zigzag figure for HSBC for the past decade. Has it just been a zag? Uh, no, it's been up, it's been down, it's been up, back up again in terms of the targets. But you know, effectively, you take us right back to 2011 on, the, on the, the back of the last crisis, as you saw stronger growth in Asia, they were targeting between 15 to 19%. So, so we've just very turned healthy in numbers, right? between
1: a fifth and a sixth. Of no, that. but then
2: that was reduced back to, to 12 to 15%. So the company had very ambitious targets, it took it lower, and that, then in 2015 at uh, targeted to a level above 10%, so again, took the level back down. It was in 2018 they lifted the target again to, to the levels that they've just cut again today. So in terms of the zigzag, they've been higher, they're lower, they're higher, they're lower again. I think there's been a well, lack I think we of
1: credibility on these I mean, We take 10%, but they're, uh, what are they, 333% away from Jeffrey. help me out here. I'm, I'm missing something. I'm too much of a curmudgeon. I appreciate that.
0: No, I think I just think um that the ROTE situation at the moment across these banks is challenging. 2020 was a very difficult year and I remember we talked to uh, Santander and if you remember Santander, for the full year, they only managed just a little bit over 7% on the ROTE, the underlying ROTE. And I think their expectation going forward is for a target of 10% plus here, but they were below that target on full year 2020. And you'll recall, what was it? Last week, I spoke with uh, Thomas Gottstein at um, Credit Suisse. And again, I don't think um, uh, Credit Suisse was uh, a 10% either, but they were making the case that a 10% uh, long run average target is achievable or something over 10%. So it is clearly the big fat number that everybody has penciled in at this point. But I agree with you. I think anything in the 3% area looks very uh, poor at this stage, given that we are talking about a revival in the fortunes of the banking industry. One, the prospect of uh, rising inflation expectations, which should be supportive of NIMS and business activity. Uh, and two, the, um, the fact that the impairments that we've seen booked by most of these banks have come in significantly below where they've actually provisioned for so there is some liquidity flow back here and an opportunity for them to make a little more profit at this stage so I do agree with you Steve on the general principle but I think 10% I'm not sure that anybody's knocking it out of the park on that number at the moment.
2: I just wanted to make a point about the type of business models you've seen from some of the faster growing European banking businesses. Typically, it was enough just to have a, a jurisdiction elsewhere, an operation in, say, a emerging market around Latin America or around countries in Asia. That was enough to bolster the returns because of the interest rate story. And you've seen that through the lens of Santander as well in recent years, BBVA. But a lot of these banks now looking at the market share that they have in these markets, it's not enough just to be there. If they don't have the market share of the scale to achieve decent returns also winding back on some of the operations. And it was interesting to see, I think, in the HSBC numbers today about question marks still hanging over the US retail business. So the question marks as to whether it should reverse out of that. I think it's a real strategy shift. I will say something good for the long term, though. If you do get decent numbers out of China, if it can execute there and it has the right market access, longer term, you may have a better story versus banks in Europe that have been forced to peel away from the fast-growing EM countries to consolidate market share back at home, Jeff.
0: Yeah, I'll just add to that point. I mean, nobody wants to be a forced seller and given bank valuations, that's obviously a challenge here. If you're selling a, an, an underperforming unit at the retail level in France right now, who is the natural buyer? We've talked ad nauseum about the need for uh, cross-border consolidation in Europe or even further banking consolidation within countries. And there is a reluctance, as we all know, for banks to add any further units, particularly if they are going to need a lot of uh, re-engineering. And the other thing is uh, the United States business. Again, um, do they look like a w- wounded uh, a sparrow at this point that is trying to uh, sell this uh, uh, this business in the United States? I'm perhaps not surprised that uh, some of this strategy shift at this point is still not quite definitive. Very much depends on who turns up with a big check. Uh, let's uh, take the break here coming up on the program tech shares uh, coming under pressure as inflation continues to rattle investors we'll have more on that story after the break
2: and for more on HSBC's four-year results you can check out the Squawk Box podcast It was a weaker session for big technology names on Wall Street yesterday. You could see the outsize fall for the Nasdaq versus other major indices. Uh, The Dow even are still pulling into positive territory versus this Fall of nearly 2.5% down for the NASDAQ. A couple of big stocks that were undercurrents for the index, the likes of Apple, Tesla, Microsoft, are driving some of that selling. Uh, what do you had investors just very concerned about the direction we were seeing around interest rates? And some of those big technology names, don't forget, have been bought very aggressively on the fact we're going to have ultra-low rates for a very, very long time. So that thinking has been challenged as we've seen the escalation in yields. And let's just switch over to the Treasury market, 1.37% where we got to on that U.S. 10-year yield, you can see we just shy of that this morning, but very much holding in that territory so investors have been looking for areas of the market where you've seen a lot of hot air a lot of appetite of late and that's everywhere from bitcoin to technology names and in fact tesla let's take a look at that stock because i mentioned it was one of the big moving stocks in session the fall 8.5% uh, this is the steepest fall since september last year uh, the 8.5% down don't forget there's been a link to to bitcoin after tesla has put 1.5 billion dollars into bitcoin the cryptocurrency that particular trade was also weaker in the monday session but investors also questioning and the uh, level of competition now coming to the electric vehicle market as the Model Y uh, just simply disappeared off the main websites of Tesla. Many questioned as to why this cheaper version uh, vehicle was no longer available. So you saw a cross-current of, of issues for Tesla. Now the major stocks that you can see across the border, Apple sliding close to 3%. We've seen uh, very weak fortunes for that uh, company since uh, Berkshire Hathaway also announced it have reduced its holdings in Apple stock after that monster rally last. year and the asian markets picking up on some of these trends we've got a little bit green for the australian market hong kong and shanghai actually a decent day for the hong kong market but in contrast to that, again, picking up on this technology theme, the tech heavy Cosby trades weaker by about a 10th of a percent. One of the big questions for the markets now is whether there's simply rotation away from technology into cyclical stocks, or whether we are setting up for a market correction, some calls out there for a 10% pullback in stocks, for instance. Yeah,
1: I mean, many interesting things, and then we can discuss this throughout the rest of the show and in coming days as well, but this rise in treasury yields is getting a lot of attention for all kinds of the right reasons as well. And we're all asking lots of questions about longevity of rallies and what have you, and what it means for inflation, what it means for bond markets as well. But one thing that think been very interesting is people are dry, driving direct correlations between the incline in the yield on treasuries and the decline in the performance of technology stocks. And, you know, I grew up thinking, of course, it was like the likes of utilities that were more interest rate sensitive as well, uh, as opposed to tech stocks, which were supposed to have these structural inclines rather than following the cyclical vagaries uh, of the underlying economy as well. So I think it's very interesting that people are drawing the attention that the technology stocks, which have been the the best performers, of course, uh, for many years on the back of the, um, well, Again, structural story, plus the fact we've had a lot of money thrown into the market and a very tight ownership has meant that these stocks have, have rallied very aggressively as well, amongst other things as well. But I think it's interesting that that correlation as well. I will just say briefly before you come back in that the pound is also rising at the moment, 140 uh, a bit higher than that, actually, 140.07, uh, 147, which is um, basically the highest we've seen since early 2018 as well. Now, of course, the roadmap story is, is something I'll come to a moment, but do you want to come back on the other side? Yeah, stuff?
2: just on yields. I mean, you know what you're seeing here, the market's having a little bit of a wobble, and we we're setting up for Jay Powell to be speaking later on today. Yes. And I think the market is looking for whether he can tame some of the spirits that have been unlocked uh, in the, the tre- US Treasury market. So I think that'll be one to watch if you're looking for a little bit of event risk today. Jeff?
0: Yeah, just to pick up on on Steve's point, I mean, the interesting aspect of this rotation is whether it is a rotation into new leadership out of growth and technology into cyclicals that reflects the reflation trade that the bond yields seem to be concerned about here. If that is the case, then it looks like it could be a smooth, relatively smooth transition with the cyclicals picking up the baton. But I'm not quite sure, and nor is Morgan Stanley. Interesting in the CNBC Pro piece uh, this morning that they're talking about how they think They are bullish on the economic recovery, but we may have come far enough in terms of uh, index valuations, uh, which means that ultimately any of your big ETFs that are benchmarked to those key indices have probably come far enough already so i don't know whether morgan stanley is just talking the industry's book a little bit here because they're saying uh default away from just buying an index and go stock picking and they flag up a number of companies they like like mcdonald's uh, like united health and uh, and so forth but their message here is don 't think necessarily with yields rising and with this cyclical recovery in play that we 're necessarily going to see the market move to much higher levels. You may have to just try and drill down within the market and find one or two laggards that are still catching up in valuation terms so an interesting angle coming out of CNBC pro but But I'm frankly confused, guys. I mean, Andrew Ross Sorkin's interview with Janet Yellen, I thought was terrific. But when she said, uh, quote, there may be sectors where we should be careful, I wondered what message she was actually trying to send to investors. And unfortunately, she didn't tell us which sectors she thought were overvalued at this stage.
1: Um, Excellent. Right. Let's move on, because the pound is rallying. Um, uh, Do you know who said this quote, Karen? The crocus of hope is poking through the frost. Churchill? Sounds like Churchill, doesn't it? It's a man who actually wrote a book about Churchill, oh, actually, who, who actually Idolises church. Yeah,
2: a certain chap called Boris Johnson. He oh. said it yesterday.
1: The crocus of hope is poking through the frost.
2: Must have missed that in that, that long speech.
1: Oh, I'm much against my better judgment, I did watch. Uh, and the parliamentary debate as well. Uh, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has unveiled a roadmap out of lockdown for England, <laughs> aiming to have the country reopened by June 21st. The four stage plan will start from March 8th when schools reopen. Little hurrah from me there. Uh, with each additional step to come after at least five weeks weeks, if, if, if key conditions are met. Johnson says the deployment of vaccines is key to the strategy.
0: It's thanks to the rollout of these vaccinations, many of them pioneered in this country, that the balance of that judgment is now changing in our favour. And thanks to the vaccinations, that there is light ahead, leading us to a spring and a summer, which I think will be seasons of hope, looking and feeling incomparably better for us all, and from which we will not go back. U.S. House Democrats seem to have moved one step closer to getting their $1.9 trillion stimulus plan uh, uh, passed. The uh, bill overwhelmingly passed the chamber's budget committee yesterday. Speaker Nancy Pelosi is hoping it clears the house as soon as this weekend. They are trying to pass the bill through budget reconciliation, which allows it to get through the evenly split Senate, without Republican support, Steve.
1: President Biden has called on Americans uh, to find a purpose as he marked the grim milestone of half a million deaths from the pandemic in the US. NBC's Jay Gray has more. More than half a million Americans,
4: dead. Bells at the National Cathedral, sounding 500 times each tone, marking a thousand lives.
3: I wish I could hug him one more time. I wasn't by his side when he needed me the most.
4: Overwhelming, unthinkable loss. Today we mark a truly grim, heartbreaking milestone. The president this evening honoring victims of the pandemic. The people we lost were extraordinary. They spanned generations. The fight against the virus has been frozen for the better part of a week. Winter storms delaying medicine deliveries and vaccinations. We got thrown a curveball by Mother Nature last week, and it turned out to be a lot worse than we thought it would be. Um, The whole national supply situation got disrupted. Now, across the country, agencies are rushing to get the process back online. It's a temporary setback. We'll get it
0: up to where we need to be by the middle of the week.
4: There are some signs of hope. The rate of infection and deaths dropping nationwide. A new vaccine from Johnson & Johnson awaiting emergency use approval. None of that, though, can ease the pain of hundreds of thousands of families suffering. Each of those half a million people is someone's grandpa, somebody's dad, somebody's sister, mom. I mean, it's, it's not a nameless, faceless number. Jay Gray, NBC News.